As a national group based across this land we call Australia, uh, we would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of this land and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. I would specifically like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the custodians of the land on which I'm recording this, and the Ghana people, where the Paper Cuts Comics Festival is being held. I pay respects to the elders past and present of all First Nations people across the land. So, welcome um, to another Aliographic Creator Chat. Um, today, I'm joined by two amazing people. Um, Owen Heitman is a writer and artist of comic books um, who's been published not only in Australia, but internationally in New Zealand, Canada, and the United States. Uh, and he's also editor and publisher at Amplified Press, um, a micro-publisher which he founded in 2003. And Georgina Chatterton. Um, is a comics creator, illustrator, and teacher who writes mainly autobiographical com comics, um, usually under the name George Rex. And uh, these are being published in comics anthologies and literary journals in Australia, as well as internationally. And together, they run the Papercuts Comics Festival, uh, a biennial Adelaide-based comics festival that started in uh, 2019. Uh, and I think this is the third festival um yep and it's being held over the 16th and 17th of september this year welcome did i get all that right have i missed anything good good it's uh, there's a there's a lot to get through for you two so it's it's fantastic <laughs> um, so um let's start with a bit about yourselves um what got you into comics to start with it's kind of an interesting story, at least I think it is, um, which I've I've told a few times before. But basically, I I had this uh, uh, personal my my own story of how I got into comics was that I I began reading prose and was like very much into novels um, throughout primary school, and then towards the end of primary school, I suddenly discovered comic books and was like, wow, these are amazing, and then like. Uh, then, like, I still read prose as well, but I, I really got into comics from that point on. Um, but when I sort of, when I went back and analysed this this myth that I told myself, I realised that's only true in as much as that's when I discovered, like, floppy comics, like, single issues. Um, and so so the, the format I discovered then, but the medium, like, I'd been reading Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes and Tintin and Asterix, like the whole the whole time uh, i just never really thought of them as comics um somehow uh, uh and then um my uh, like when i was in my 20s i was going through some childhood books and i i discovered um in the night kitchen by maurice sendak and realized that this picture book that i'd had as a kid was really just comics like it's got panels and speech balloons and i was like uh -huh, this is where it started <laughs> it was right from the beginning um so yeah that's that's my that's my little story Gina? uh similar to owen i read tintin and and cabin hobbs and and all those sort of things growing up and didn't really make the connection that they were comics for some reason i guess it wasn't it wasn't a term flung around uh, at the time um and i was very anti-asterix because all the, the other people in, like people i didn't like in my school liked asterix which now i feel bad about because asterix is great also mm. i shouldn't have judged it on the people reading it that's very terrible of me um, so I was already staunchly a Tintin fan. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess reading them kind of got me into it, but I did, hadn't made that connection that they were comics. But how I always wrote my stories 
um, was with pitches and using pitches to tell stories as well as prose. Like I never just wrote prose. I found I have um, sort of mild dyslexia and find it quite hard to write sometimes and get very uh, confused. So adding pitches just seemed to make more sense to me, just sort of like a natural way to tell the story was using pitches. Um, So I think I got into comics by making comics, which sounds silly, but like I'm sure, you know, seeing other yeah, it, like like Owen said, you know, seeing picture books that are kind of basically comics because it's yeah, it's all graphic storytelling, I guess. Um, and then as it's gone on, like as I've gone on, I've yeah figured out oh look at all these different things comics can do, and I, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, that's great. And I'll I'll admit I was much more Tintin than Asterisk too. My library had many more <laughs> Tintins and Asterisks, so I felt more connected because I could you know, read more of them so yeah um, which is a great segue into what how much have you guys had to do with libraries um, both as as readers of of various materials and as comic creators well I think we both just in that example of us both then about yeah. how comics is we read them at the school library right yeah, yeah. And like super important as part of our like being able to access that medium because it's not something that everyone had in their house it's not you know yeah, and books in general, like not everyone can have have books at home. So being able to go to this magical place where you're allowed to borrow as many books as you want within limits um, <laughs> is just really, yeah, that's really special. And I think uh, my I would go to the library every week with my dad. That was the thing that we we did together, and I'd go and sort out um, all the Mills and Boone <laughs> as a child, because not because I like I just wanted them to be alphabetically organised because um, they weren't. It was very annoying. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a really fun. Uh, growing up was a very special time, and like yeah, good good one on one time with my dad. Um, in fact, it's, there's even a scene in the graphic novel I'm working on at the moment that is me and dad going to the library, and it's a yeah, it's a special special little little moment there. So I think they've definitely been a big part of my life, and I think you're pretty similar growing up. Yeah, uh, I mean my my school library my my primary school was very small um there are about 50 kids in the whole school when i started when i started in reception and by the time i graduated it had doubled in size to a whole 100 kids in the entire school so uh, um the school library was pretty small but it was a uh, a fascinating place for me and it was uh it was pre pre digital so it was all on the the card system for looking up books um which hadn't been kept up to date at all so i'd be looking through the card system and go oh they've got asterisks in the black gold somewhere but i could never find it on the shelves um uh and then you know up to the present day like uh, we live in ascot park and our local library is the park home library we uh go there probably three times a week <laughs> uh, a a mid mid-afternoon walk break is a big part of our yeah. um we both work from home as well yeah Yeah. uh and it's a good spot to walk to pick up the like you know uh we've got the one card system in adelaide so Mm -hmm. anything that's in the entire statewide library system we can order and have put on hold at our our local library Mm -hmm. um i love borrowing cds books uh you know they've got like movies and graphic novels and so you know our, our house is full of graphic novels yet we still go and borrow more of them um and i definitely like again working on the book at the moment i'm just constantly borrowing audiobooks through libby as well like that like just from a, these are just like the practicals like here's us using libraries we love them um but they're also just great spaces to go 
like I think we used to live in the city as well so it was always a good place to like visit and if you needed a break you could just sit hang out in the library for a little bit um, and I've also worked in libraries not public libraries I've worked in um, a, a music library at the university and then also a sound library at the ABC um, so obviously more specialty libraries but yeah the idea of just being able to help you know have all this information and, and useful things ready to go and organize very satisfying so yeah yeah libraries is a big, big part of my life but pretty good pretty good <laughs> you're running the Papercuts comics festival um and you you're, you're the founders you're still running it what was it that drove you to to create it and to to continue running it we can trace it back to a, a pretty specific point basically um i mean we're both comics creators longtime fans of comics um and We've got a lot of experience of attending interstate festivals like Home Cooked Comics Festival and the Festival of the Photocopier, uh, as well as the really? things that come to Adelaide like Supernova and Oz Comic Con. Um, and in 2018, we were on holiday in um, the UK and we went to Thought Bubble Comics Festival in Leeds. Um, and it was like a mind-blowing experience for us uh, because it's just, it's huge. There were like three huge sort of marquee pavilions uh, mm-hmm. full of comic creators and uh, everyone there made comics. It, like it was, it wasn't, you know, there's Artist Alley and within Artist Alley, maybe like 10% of those people are actually making comics and the rest are doing posters and, and or, pro, or pro like prose authors and, yeah. and then there's artists that just are working on um IP for other bigger companies these were all like they had a few of those at Thought Bubble um but it was predominantly just create local local level creators from from well, UK independent creators independent creators yeah this big festival which was all comics creators and uh, being comics focused people, that's what we want to see at a festival. Like Supernova is great, Oz Comic Con is great. Like it's really it's it's huge for the people who are in those fandoms and stuff that they can get that experience, find their people. Um, but but we're not people who are into IP and superheroes and fan art. Are like like it's, it's yeah, it's got its place. But we're passionate about people telling their own stories, um, particularly Australian stories, um, and so and creating opportunities for Australian artists to one meet other people, uh, but also like to to make stuff. And like, because there's a couple of different events within Paper Cuts that we hope to that provides, which we can talk about a bit in a little bit, um, that provide opportunities for artists as well as just a market day. There's some other events as well. Um, which are less inspired by Thought Bubble and maybe more inspired by our experiences with Adelaide Writers Week, which is and, and other writers festivals. So, like a more writers festival style thing meets your regular Comic Con market day thing. <laughs> That's yeah, very yeah. very much so. Uh, after we went to Thought Bubble, we just had such a great experience, and we were. We were on holiday. We were on extended holiday for a couple of months, traveling throughout Europe. So we're, there were a lot of plane flights and train rides and bus rides. Where any any time we were traveling between a destination, we kind of turned to one another and were like, "Well, it would be great if something like that happened in Adelaide, like a comic specific festival." Yeah. Um, and how can we make it happen? And what can it involve? So we kind of just 
spent the whole trip brainstorming um venues and guests and and what we would want to see um because basically what we did was design the kind of festival that we want to see um uh because it didn't exist in adelaide Mm -hmm. and or we thought you know if 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 it if no one else is going to make it happen maybe we can um so that's i think that's pretty comprehensive yeah (laughs) that's that's the gestation of it yeah and then obviously it was successful and it was successful enough for you to go let's do it again um (laughs) was there was there much questioning about would you run it a a second and a third time and all that i know it started during covid so that must have been a something to try and work through yeah so the first one happened in 2019 but had been in the planning um before then so so covid wasn't really on our radar until it had already happened Mm. um and when we when we started planning it we kind of said to each other well maybe we'll do this three times um at that point we were like we'll do it three times one every year yes it it was an (laughs) annual thing to begin with um and the first one just it it happened it came together so easily it was yeah in 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 some respects (laughs) um it felt easy to me it was a great experience everyone had a good time it like really you know it felt we felt i felt so buoyed up at the end of it um that we just went ahead and started planning it for 2020 and then you know the world changed um but by the time all the lockdowns happened and stuff like that um we'd actually already been successful in getting funding for the second festival um which uh is is something we didn't mention like the only the real reason we can make paper cuts happen is due to grant funding um because it's important to us that we uh pay all the artists who appear and that we're like we're valuing artists and comic artists um yeah yeah. and we we, yeah you touched on it before that we want to keep it accessible so the market day there's no there's no table cost that there's a there's a deposit which is refundable that's just to make sure that people turn up rather than booking a spot and then bailing at the last minute um and yeah we pay uh asa uh australian society of authors rates to the panel guests and um uh to uh, uh is it nava rates for the talking pictures artists yeah i think so um uh, which is creating a comic and that is read live as part of a performance that's what talking pictures is uh, yeah. whereas the creators and conversation is a more standard just like a writer's panel talking about their work yeah yeah inspired by literary festivals as gina mentioned earlier yeah um and uh yeah so the first year we we did it on like a shoestring budget we got a eight thousand five thousand five thousand dollar grant from the city of adelaide um and we called in a bunch of favors we still paid everyone but um i don't think we were quite at the like industry rate level yeah that that year Um, we didn't pay ourselves yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but then having proved we could do it we were um able to get more funding for the second time so so by the time lockdowns came into effect i think we had funding from city of adelaide again and arts sa and australia council um uh but no ability to run a festival because no one could leave their home 
Um, so we negotiated with those uh, grant bodies that we could uh, just uh, keep the funds and use it for next year. And by 2021, things in South Australia were at a state where we were able to run it, um, mm-hmm. but it was a lot more complex. Uh, you know, there were a lot, you know, capacity restrictions on venues, places that we'd used in 2019 we couldn't use anymore. For instance, like the, the market day mm-hmm. that we'd used in 2019, their capacity now was the number of storeholders we had. So if we used that as a venue, we couldn't have any punters in. Um, not ideal, I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there was a lot of lot of ups and downs in 2021. Yeah, and a lot of things that could have gone could have changed up until the last minute. Like, so obviously if anyone had COVID, any of the artists got COVID just before, they wouldn't have been able to attend and, like, for the live readings and things like that. Um, but we did have uh, the first two paper cuts. We also had an exhibition component, which we haven't done this year because we found that was too much. We just just one extra thing that we couldn't do this time around. Um, we loved having it. Uh, the first year it was traditional art. It was the, the theme, and we just got different um, artists from all over Australia to be able to send us um, some original art that we could show off and exhibit. Um, and then in the second time in 2021 we had digital art so we were able to get more people because they could send it to us digitally and we'd, we'd print it for them and, and frame it um and then have it for sale as part of an exhibition and so that that was really a good thing but a lot of a lot more coordination than we were able to to do this time because it, you know dealing up to 80 artists trying to wrangle them make sure they send things in on time <laughs> uh, as well as the other events that um happened as well but yeah 2021 was good but very stressful, maybe. I feel like we're answering a later question. We can <laughs> realize now, but that's okay. Um, uh, we were able to zoom in a few people from interstate for conversations and for the talking pitches. Uh, and we had a we we managed to grow the festival despite it still predominantly being South Australian artists because of the requirements of COVID. Um, so, like the storeholders, we had how many extras was it? Well, we had at least the same number of storeholders at the 2021 market day, mm-hmm. even though in 2019 about a third of the people had come from interstate, and in yep. 2021 no one could come from interstate for the market day. Yeah, and and the attendees were much more. We had many more attendees come to the market day, which was really um, exciting for us because that's the you know that we want people to come buy comics from other creators and not just creators buying them from creators which is also great but you know you want you want to get a bit of extra money circulating in the the artist pool from outside people and um, people reaching new audiences uh and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. Right. and i couldn't help before you go on i couldn't help but mention that you said you were planning to run it three times when you started and this is the third time is it still that you're planning to run it three times or are you going it's been successful maybe a fourth fifth what are the plans? Uh, it, we, it, it, it's kind of too early to say. Um, I mean, like Owen said, we, we rely on grant funding. Yep. So for all, for all of the festivals, whether we run it or not, is bottom line dependent on whether we get enough funding to be able to pay artists because we're not going to ask people to do stuff for free. <laughs> like we, yeah, we, we don't feel comfortable, particularly because Australia is so big. We, we try to pay for well, p- flights and accommodation as well. So because that's obviously also a big cost and eight, and we've noticed this year in particular has gone up even more um, post pandemic. And so that's, you know, like often you'll go to, you'll travel to a different state to do a, a fair and it's real fun, but then you barely make back your travel, like they cost to get to take for you to get there, which obviously often people don't do it for that, but it would be nice if artists could 
could earn some money. <laughs> so I think if that, the, if that cost wasn't a concern for them exactly, in, in choosing exactly. whether or not to do it, yeah. Well, it's yeah. great that that's a that's something that you've really prioritised. I think, um, and it does kind of come to this thing of the travel and everything. What is the balance that you're looking for between Adelaide, between wider South Australia, and gen- Australia generally, um, and potentially international? I don't know. Focus for the festival, and what was the? Why did you make that decision? It's it, it's an interesting question. Um, and it comes down to the fact that there's different aspects of the festival as well. Um, so we've we've kind of we've we haven't really given an overview of what the festival involves. We've sort of touched on various parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two years we ran it over five days, one event per day. Um, so there was the art exhibition, which we've mentioned, the um, literary style discussion panels. Uh, the talking pitches, which is the live readings, um, the market day, and the final one we haven't mentioned was a, a comics drawing sketch group, which we were already running on a monthly basis at that stage. So we just uh, timed the festival to align with when that was going to happen anyway, and we basically got five events for the the price of four, you know. <laughs> um, and when we 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 conceived that to try and make it like a destination to draw in people from interstate. Um, uh, Cause like we love Adelaide. We're, we've both grown up here, lived here all our lives. We're very proud to be in Adelaide. Um, uh, but we know there's a lot of great comic creators all across Australia and comics fans and people that we, we weren't really sure if, if it would be a big enough draw card to bring people in. But um, in 2019, when people could travel, it, it was people did come from interstate and not just store holders. There were there were people who came just, just for the festival. But what we were hearing was a lot of people saying, like, I could only afford to come for the weekend. I couldn't make it for all five days. So so our goal of making it a destination had kind of backfired a mm. bit in that respect. So when we thought about doing it again this year, we reimagined it and condensed it into a weekend so that it is more achievable for people to come and uh, attend all of the events. Um, And uh, we're not doing the monthly sketch group anymore. Um, We've moved uh, house and we have different um, commitments. It's just not feasible at the moment. So we've dropped that one. And as Gina said, the exhibition um, wrangling that many artists wasn't something we were willing to take on this year. Um, So... But on the other hand, instead of one literary discussion panel, now we're running four. Mm. Um, so we cut down on some work for ourselves and then made a lot more work for ourselves. <laughs> um, and... But it means we get to spend more time in libraries because that's where the library event, the event in the library is the conversations, the creators in conversation panels. So that's fun. Yeah. We can talk more about that soon. <laughs> uh, and we also have partnered with the Comic Arts Awards of Australia um, to arrange for their award ceremony to be held in Adelaide on the Friday before the weekend of paper cut. So it's it's still still working towards creating that critical mass of comics events. Mm-hmm. There's also a um, an academic symposium being held on the Thursday and Friday before paper cuts as well. So uh, for for comics academics types um, in it, that's that's not like it's less of a partnership, but more of a Cross promotion. Yeah. Um, so and- was that um, 
just uh, like happy coincidence that it happened to be on at the same time or was there planning to say oh let's let's do it at the same time make it a destination thing like you were saying before yeah. um so uh dr aaron humphrey at the university of adelaide has been a, a big help with paper cuts he's helped us um like venues yeah basically venues he's he's helped out within the past uh at the past two paper cuts um and i think each time he's sort of floated the idea of maybe we could get an academic symposium happening at the same time because he co-organized a similar symposium a few sometime in the past (laughs) um and it kind of that it hasn't really lined up until this year but this year he's working with um Jean-Marie Vilhoven, I think yeah. it's pronounced, at the University of South Australia. So the two universities have come together to um, facilitate this academic mm-hmm. symposium. So so the timing is very much uh, deliberate. It's not just a coincidence, but, um, uh, yeah, we can't really claim any credit for it. Yeah. Like If they didn't make it happen, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's right. So, and... Um... So that's a lot of stuff that you've you've put into this festival. All of these different things that that uh, you know, and the way you're talking about, it, you're clearly so so thrilled that it's happened, so proud of everything you've done. What do you think you're the proudest of having achieved with this with the Paper Cuts Comics Festival? I'm glad it happens. I'm glad people come. <laughs> I like I don't know if it's proud. Like you know, I'm. I guess I'm really proud. I've had a, a couple of uh, my students. I do. I've done one-on-one teaching. I do a lot of workshops with young people and. I think definitely at the last one and at this one, there'll be, I can't remember about the first one now, it's too long ago. Um, uh, some of my students will have tables and selling their comics at the market day and, like, you know, some of them are 10 or or younger maybe. And, um, yeah, it's just really exciting that that's their first, that I've been able to help give them an opportunity to sell their comics for the first time and, I don't know that I'm proud. I'm proud of them making comics, and because I don't know if I could have done that when I was their age. So um, I'm pretty proud that they're they're brave to go and talk to all these like you know be be have a table amongst a hundred plus stallholders kind of thing is pretty pretty scary when you're a young when most of everyone's you know eighteen plus kind of thing. So I don't know. That's I'm proud of them. <laughs> well, yeah. and and obviously you've done a lot to make then that them feel comfortable coming in and doing that you've made it a sort of base that right. they're comfortable doing this so like that's great too thanks yeah i i think uh i mean i'm proud of a, a lot of things um like i'm i'm proud that we made it happen you know like it's a it's a lovely feeling to think of an idea and then follow it through to delivery and have it be well received um but uh and, and I'm proud of the fact that it seems to have grown each time. Like, obviously, this one's still in the future, but... Uh, People want to come. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the thing I'm most proud of is um, talking pictures, uh, which is uh, sort of heavily inspired by uh, Read to Me, the events that Finn McCabe and um, Gabe Clark organised in Sydney and other locations. Um, uh it's it's a really great opportunity to bring comics to a different audience because uh uh so for the for the literary panels we we only invite people who are like published graphic novelists um ideally internationally published we we're really aiming to sort of bring in a a, a literary book readership to those events but and to sort of show because often in those writers festivals and and things
things like that, comics don't really get a look in, or if they do, they're just in the kids' tent, um, which is fine. And obviously I make kids' books, so I'm super proud of kids' comics. Like I think kids' comics are great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think they can be everywhere. Like even if you are making kids' comics, you can still be talking to an adult audience because, you you know, there's, yeah. Anyway, that's that's a different different thing, but, uh, yeah. Campbell White and Josh Santos Burrito were talking about that at the Perth Comic Arts Festival and uh, online in general. Like the the writers festival was like, don't embrace the greatest literary medium there is, comics. Um, <laughs> uh, so but, yeah, so it, I think we we try to aim to show like, look, look at all these great things that Australian creators are making at an international standard, and you know, like, which is pretty, it was pretty cool. And compete competing against you know many many people in America who are also creating these things and they're they're standing really strong up against them as well, which is great. America being one of the the bigger Western comics publishers, obviously. Like there's a lot, there's lots of different ways, but that America has a big a big say in what gets published for sure. Yeah, for comics. Um, but uh, the 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 approach we took with talking pictures was different, where we have got established graphic novelists involved in the live ratings um but we've also made it a point each year to invite people artists from uh tangential fields like people are primarily screen printers or musicians but or animators yeah or zine makers yeah um people people that are comics friendly but not necessarily comics makers might not think of themselves as comics makers um mm-hmm. And then because it's a live event, people want to support their friends. Uh, they draw in their fans and friends and followers and family. And so then we get a lot of people experiencing comics, one in a new way, but um, sometimes for the first time. And so to, to tie it back to the question eventually, <laughs> uh, the thing I'm most proud of is the response that people have given us at Talking Pictures Um uh, I mean, one, it's just like, it's great because comics is such a solitary medium most of the time. You're creating it and then you put it out in the world and you never see how it gets reacted and maybe somebody sends you an email saying they liked it or maybe they hated it or whatever. <laughs> um, but at Talking Pictures, you've got a room full of people and the reaction is immediate and the applause is loud. And You the... you particularly, like, Owen has emceed both of the live readings <laughs> and I think we'll never give that up because he... <laughs> I'm a show pony. Yeah, you are. You're just addicted to the to the audience. I didn't think you were going to say addicted. Oh, okay. Um, uh, but you know, people have come up to me afterwards and said, you know, I didn't, I didn't know comics could do that. People are saying like, you know, this reading made me cry, and like they didn't, they didn't realize that it was such a powerful medium. Um, and so that's that's amazing to be able to. Break down stereotypes. Yeah, break break down stereotypes. Open people's eyes. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what I'm most proud of. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, So you brought up the library um, aspect a lot in in that. Um, So you partnered. So I know you're partnering this time. Has you partnered with the library every festival or um, all three or? Not no. We were in the community town hall, which is attached to the library in the first year for the market day so it's library oh, yeah. adjacent and part of the same sort of council mm-hmm. stuff. yeah um we've, we've worked heavily with the city council which yeah. controls the city libraries mm-hmm. yeah. um but uh yeah this is the first time 
in an actual library venue. Yeah, I think, yeah, we. it's not because we haven't wanted to, it's more finding the right uh, space, like the right event for the space, that yeah. sort of thing. And yeah, this year it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah. yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And it's with the Adelaide City Library. Um, yeah. And it was uh, those um, literary talks and some of the talking pictures as well, or just uh, the literary just talks? Just the literary talks. Yeah. So the talking pictures will be nearby, but in a different yeah. 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 Um, so, how did that like? Did you approach the library? Did they approach you? Um, how'd that work? And what advice would you have for libraries interested in being involved with something um, in in some with some sort of festival like this? We did approach the library the first year, but that time that year we wanted again with the way we were conceiving mm. them, mm. we wanted it to be an evening event. Um, and it, so it would have been held after hours and they weren't able to do it with their like insurance restrictions and, yeah. and having to pay overtime with staff yeah. and things. Yeah. Um, Reasonable things that unfortunately, because of how we were hoping to set it up, just didn't work out. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, I think I think we approached them this year, but uh, because the festival had been run twice previously, we had built up some kind of connections with them um uh and and there was more of a sense that they were eager to be involved if we could work out something that worked for both parties mm. um i think in that time i i'd run some workshops with them so doing uh like i'd do a, a monthly sort of comic group for young people aged 8 to 14 called inky fingers so i do that in various locations around adelaide in with in different libraries and um community centers uh, and so I really loved doing that, and I was able to do that at the Adelaide City Library for a few months. And from there, I think I and you were sort of contacted to help organise, like partner to find local, other local creators running workshops, comics workshops specifically. Um, yeah. And so you helped them, think, like, sort of curate, that's the word, curate, curate that a bit. And yeah. I think that was our first sort of partnering experience, not pay, not specifically paper cuts, but, like, with our paper cuts hat of knowing who, who does what and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Adelaide's great, but it is small. So <laughs> everyone does tend to know everyone else. Um, Sorry. Particularly uh, if you're in a similar field or, yeah, in the creative mm. library being a creative field. Mm. Yeah. Creative literary field. So I think we've, we've both contacted them and they've contacted us. It's been sort of a bit of a two-way street when it comes to that for sure like uh, it feels nice that they've been able to reach out to us and like acknowledging that we know comics things um and it's really great that we're able to reach out to them and they seem receptive to wanting to you know run help run events and and provide a venue which is one of the biggest costs is venue for sure for festivals um and because it because obviously there's a lot of infrastructure around that and finding city-based accessible venues it's very um hard <laughs> so it's really great that the library is, you know, so engaged with the arts, I think, particularly in Adelaide, that uh, the city library always has exhibitions on and workshops and events happening um, and are keen to keep doing new and um, more in like interesting things that help their, uh, not clients, but like, the you know, I uh, can't remember what the proper word is. Patrons. Patrons, thank you. It was like, mm, it's in there somewhere. Yeah, their patrons, like, trying to find new things that engage their patrons and what they're after. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think you asked um, what other libraries need to know about engagement. Yeah, if, if, if libraries wanted to be involved with something like this, so, you know, 
wherever in Australia they are, what what do they need to um, what advice would you have for them to to get involved with either trying to start something themselves to um, do it or to partner with um, something that's happening in their area? Uh, I mean, with, with with our ethos in mind, I would uh, say that money is important. Like uh, in in our situation, our funding was already we already had funding sources, so we weren't asking for money from the libraries. We were just asking for a venue and like in kind support essentially like that their staff will be helping out like what they're doing definitely has a dollar value but they're not giving us cash Um, yeah but if if a library was looking to establish something similar um off their own bat you know i would say you know you've got a value artist like don't tell them it will be great exposure tell them they'll get paid um and yeah have it like having yeah, I guess, and like, which I think most libraries would anyway, it's like, here's here's the budget that we have, this is what we can provide and, and have that conversation with, with the artists. But it depends on if it's more like if you're partnering with a festival who have already organised that stuff, I think being able to provide a venue is, as I said, it's basically invaluable, particularly if you're able to have, if you have an accessible venue to um, and, and resources. So we're very, yeah, the city library has the tech as well and having the people that have the expertise to run that um is really great and it gives us gives us more time to help organize the artists and do do that element of it which is where we have i guess is our skill set is knowing knowing the artists and being able to organize them and then the library staff being able to know how to engage the the patrons and and set up a the room and just do that stuff which is hard work and great when other people can do it (laughs) like yeah spreading spreading that load helping out um with that i think yeah, and, and also oh, promoting promoting festivals as well is yeah. uh, super helpful. Like just because libraries do have many patrons, they can you know have being able to take flyers and posters and just have them up inappropriate. Like you know for a comics festival, have them near the comics, have a, a thing of flyers. If there's a comics festival, it's amazing how much that can make a difference to people thinking about attending the festival, and that changes you know everything. Yeah, uh, and I the other thing I guess is. Uh, graphic novels and comics have made a huge sort of incursion into libraries over my lifetime like I mean we we spoke about you know the Peanuts collections and Tintin and Asterix being in libraries since we were young but there were no um, graphic novel sections um, like there weren't anywhere near as many graphic novels available at at that time Um, and uh, seeing public libraries progressively embracing comics and having a spot for them has been just such a huge pleasure for for me personally to see and and for Gina um and to the extent that it's also nice very nice that they recognize that you know there are adult graphic novels and kids graphic novels and that they have them stored separately for the most part um Mm -hmm. you know there's nothing worse than or like more than you walk in and see like the the peanuts collections right alongside some uh i don't know the boy city or something yeah yeah (laughs) um uh but so even though the libraries as a whole tend to recognize that and and shelve the books appropriately i think there can still be um less awareness at a librarian level um you know when we've been going out with our flyers and a lot of them uh, and asking libraries 
can you put these flyers where people will see them? And a lot of them will say, yes, we'll put them with the kids' comics, and which is great. But also, please put them with the adult comics because our festival is targeted at, at both, at, like, at everyone. Yeah, which is, like, it's hard. It, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it comes down to individuals, and it's, yeah. you know, there there are worse reactions for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and it's and it's something that hopefully libraries are getting better at. It's it's one of those things that it can often I know can often um, depend on who you go who you speak to in a library because libraries deal with such a wide range of materials. Not everyone can be an expert in everything. So, um, but yeah, so it's hopefully that's a that's an experience of uh, you know that's saying it's just kids is happening less and less. So yeah. The other thing with with this partnering with libraries, what would you, as creators and as festival directors and everything, what would be the biggest surprise that you would say you had working with libraries? Although you both, you said you had quite a lot to do with libraries and Georgina, you said you had worked in libraries before, so maybe there wasn't, there weren't many surprises, but um, if there were, what, like, what was the biggest surprise? Uh, well, Gina touched on it, the, the accessibility that libraries offer. Um, so with the, with the discussion panels that we're organizing this year, they've got a hearing loop set up like within the library so that, um, people with hearing aids can connect in and, and hear it more clearly, like get the direct line. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I just hadn't thought about that. Um, like we, we, uh, with, our funding we're also providing Auslan interpretation um at a the talking pictures and creators in conversation events. Okay. Um so so we we are considering accessibility, but I didn't realize that that sort of functionality was already built in to some extent in the library. Yeah. Um and also there that that yeah just just sort of reinforcing what Gina said earlier about the technology like they have um videography capability like built into their uh their this studio space that we're using and then they also have um the ability to edit that footage um to a professional level um which yeah when you're going in to borrow a book or a cd it's not something that you think about like oh yeah these guys are also making films <laughs> like yeah so um yeah that was eye-opening mm. And yeah, as I said, like this, I think, and it's not the thing. It's not a surprise, but it's like I guess maybe it's just a. It would be a surprise for other people who don't go to libraries very often. Is like yeah, that the libraries have all these like engaging programs that are quite different and quite um, diverse from just books, like physical items that you can borrow and take home, or a computer that you can get for a, how long you borrow a computer for? <laughs> like sorry, man, I don't know how to talk. But like you know, they have three D printers and they have animating programs and soft, all these software that you can go in and check out and try and um, and people that come special specialty things as well as practical things like JPs um, to come and sign you you know get your documents notarized yeah. and like just you know it, it I think people can forget that how much of a hub that a library is for the community um, sometimes like, like not everyone and I said it's not necessarily surprise to me but I think it's the thing to remind remind ourselves in these times that libraries are pretty special and we should keep them around <laughs> well, there's, our, there's our soundbite for <laughs> <laughs> um so the festival more generally um it's all you've and 
you've, we've heard it's such a lot of work to put it together, and you've you've kind of touched on this. Um, but so much of the work is is invisible to to the majority of the people going. Um, do you want to give us a quick rundown of like just how what the process has been from for for one of these from concept to clean up is like just to give an idea of how much goes into it. Should we? So, <laughs> the festival has been slightly different. Um, I think we'll just focus on this current one. Yep. Yeah. Because I think that's what just, yeah. Just an idea. As an overview, um, in 2019 and 2021, Gina and I did the bulk of the organising. We were very grateful to have volunteers helping us out on the day of the events. Um, My parents, thank you. (laughs) My parents helped a bit too. uh, And we had some friends uh, who were roped in and people in the comics community stuck up their hand and said, can I, can I help out? Um, And we really appreciated that. But like. Mostly on the day, like door, checking people at the doors, making sure people going in the right direction, that kind of stuff. Like not, none of the free stuff. So no, none of the emails, none of the admin, none of the grant applications. That yeah. was all us. Um, in 2021, we did have uh, somebody helping us out with online marketing as well. Yeah. Um, which was which was also great. Thank you, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so having done it twice, we realised that if we were going to do it again this time, we'd need more help. Um, and so we've been very grateful to have more people helping us out at an earlier stage so um with like uh um, a market day coordinator uh uh, jess helping out again with the um online marketing um yeah yana helping out with graphic design um and then we've still got some other volunteers who will be helping out on the day but chipping in in a little way beforehand Um, yeah and having a um we also run workshops alongside the market day uh which was a new new thing for us last time, um, uh, but was very successful in science. Being a work person that runs workshops, I'm very passionate about and wanted to do, but previously it was trying to figure out how to do it was very hard and it it worked fine last time, but it was very, I was personally very stressed about it, you know, making sure that everyone turns up on time and that people are getting, you know, all the participants, because again, it's free to attend, so making sure everyone is there, is attending, you're ticking them off, all, all that sort of admin stuff, which is fine if you're not also running your own table and the whole festival at the same time. Um, so we've got a, um, a workshop coordinator again this year who's someone I've worked with for years um, running workshops and things who's not necessarily comics, but is very experienced in running workshops. And it was so exciting to see her like be excited about being paper, like in paper cuts. Like, oh, I get it. I don't do comics, but I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to be part of the club. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um. So that's. I think that'll be great. To, and having those people that we trust, and we can be like, please just do this, and know that they will be able to help us out is really great. And we should have done it earlier. Regrets. We've had a few. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So to to address the actual question yeah. of like from concept to cleanup. Um. In in brief, <laughs> it's it is it is huge. Um, we probably well we started planning it about twelve months beforehand. Um, just uh, in terms, so grants because, because we want to pay people, we need to apply for grants. To apply for grants, you need to know what you're going to do. Um, and it's a more convincing grant application if 
you have your venues confirmed, you have your guests confirmed. Um, so, uh, you know, this has been a long time in the making. And as you said, a lot of this work is invisible and we hope that it is like you know except when people talk to us and we just talk about how much work we're doing so yeah. less invisible because we complain too much <laughs> um but yeah like uh brainstorming like what what events do we want to do this year how are we gonna what are we going to change from last time what are we going to keep where are we going to hold it um and what, what worked last year what what could we improve on what kind of things do we want to move forward with like can we like what what are things that we value like diversity and showing what creators are making comics in in our country and uh and state and things like that as well as like yeah can we how can we pay artists more like what are the rates keep keeping up on all those sort of things i think as well yeah yeah and then then putting in the grant applications um all owen is very good at grants um, too good some might say you don't want to curse it touch wood um uh because that that's another unknown. Like we we applied for the same three major grants this time: Arts SA, City of Adelaide, and Australia Council. Um, and we designed the festival to be scalable. If we got one or two of those grants, but not all three, um, fortunately we didn't have to do that as we were successful with all three of those grants. Um, so we got the funding that we were after. Um, and if if we hadn't then there would have been a, some readjustments to do and that was you know that was clear in our grant application so it wouldn't have been an issue with the funders presumably <laughs> but fortunately it didn't come down to that um then then there's all the the uh logistics um you know confirming the guests uh reconfirming the guests triple confirming the guests um booking flights booking accommodation or paying them if they want to like uh book their own or because they want to travel earlier or they want to stay longer than the period that we can fund them for briefly briefly lots of emails that's what it is lots of emails and logistics and to-do lists like have we done this spreadsheets like yep tick that tick that um giving people timelines of like for the live readings like here's what we need from you Here's, here's how much we'll pay you. All good with that? Great. Here's your timeline. Just making sure that you you know what your timeline is, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Building in contingency plans if someone yeah. can't make it any longer or, um, you know, gets ill or whatever. Yeah. Lots um, of online form, like Google Forms for market-based storeholders. Is, yeah. And I'm not going brief now. It is just a lot of admin. There's a lot of sort of admin stuff which we are both okay at but neither of us particularly like <laughs> yeah uh, unfortunately but we're, we're comics creators we're not event organizers so yeah. the fact that we are organizing an event for the third time baffling. is baffling it's a mystery well it's not baffling we love comics so much it overweighs the or outweighs the the downsides of admin yeah, yeah. um but yeah 90 90 95 of it is admin emails making bookings um and then the event happens that's fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then um, and then there's probably stuff afterwards as well like the the doing the thank yous and and wrap ups and making sure that all of that's happening too and more admin (laughs) yeah exactly yeah the after admin is like quitting all your grants that's so you can get more grants next time um and then you gotta tell them how you spent the money and like that you spent on what you said you would spend on otherwise they will never give you money again um yeah, grant acquittals, pain, but, pain, 
paying people, paying making people. sure everyone yeah, gets all their payments for all the different jobs that they've done. and Giving yeah. all the market day still holders their deposits back. Yeah, yeah. so super fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, it's, it is worth it, obviously, for, to see the event happen. So, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, and it's very clearly worth it because you're running such a um, great festival that uh, Paper Cuts was um, awarded the Platinum Ledger in the 2022 Comic Arts Awards of Australia over at the Perth Comic Arts Festival. Um, what was that like for you to win and what did it mean for this year's festival? Uh, well, it meant that this year's festival happened. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, it was definitely the encouragement we needed to to tip us over the edge to say, yes, we'll, we'll apply for some grants and see if we, we get them and, and do it kind of thing. At the, that time, particularly because the 2021 festival was so much extra admin for a lot less payoff in the sense that it was just COVID. You're having keeping on top of all the COVID admin on top of the regular admin that we just mentioned for this festival, making sure that capacities were okay and people were feeling safe and healthy and um and and you know comfortable and and that sort of stuff as well. Um, definitely was a stress. It's just stressful. Uh, you want you want people to feel happy and comfortable, and and you also want cool things to happen. But um, they don't all. Uh, yeah. So it was just a very. It was a lot of work. And at that time, I'd also I'd got um. I think I got my book deal at that point. Can't remember. Again, the last three years are just one year, so I've kind of forgotten. Um, but I, I was about to get into the like nitty gritty of working on my graphic novel a bit more after that. And I was like, oh, can we? I don't know if I can do a festival and do books at the same time. Uh, lesson that I've learned: I can't really. It's not very fun. Um, but at, yeah, like I think getting the award definitely meant that. It meant that I was like, oh, people liked it. Maybe we should. It's real nice that then because people have to nominate you for that award. Like someone has to sit down and take the time to nominate you. And I was like, oh, that's really nice that someone did that. Um, and so you know, that's I think that for that from that question, like that is the reason why this one is happening. <laughs> and so that it definitely made a difference from that point of view. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know how it felt getting it. It felt weird. I don't know. Getting awards is always weird. Um, for me. Anyway, it it was very nice to be recognised. Yeah. Um, it felt weird accepting it at the Perth Comic Arts Festival because they do such a great job as well um, yeah. running their festival, and, and they've been doing it for longer. No, they've been doing it for the same time, okay. but they do it every year. So yeah. we're there at their fourth festival, getting an award for the festival. Mm. That at that stage we'd run twice, yeah. and I was like, oh, but maybe these guys deserve it more. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I'm glad we got it, as Gina said, because otherwise we would not have had the motivation to do it again this year. Yeah, and it is interesting to see how different festivals, or like it, that, that was interesting, being able to go over to Perth to accept the award, but it meant that we could see how another, um, probably the most similar festival to what we do, because there are like... There is Homecooked Comics Festival in Melbourne, which is, uh, I would say, a smaller scale, more just market day focus sort of thing, whereas PCAF also has sort of like creators' talks and, and live comic readings they've done as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and so like similar and exhibitions and things like that. So like they definitely, it's more in that same vein of like, look at all these different things that comics can do. So that was really, really special to be able to go over to Perth last year. Um, last year? It was last yeah. year. Oh, man. Yeah, great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, go to Perth last year and, and you know, obviously 
to see see them in action and see what they and see what they do and and they have a quite a different they have like a big team of people I'm not sure exactly how many that work on there's that. like a key team and then extra um, organizers I yeah. think there might be 30 people involved which is pretty yeah like so it's really interesting to see see that and I can see how they could do it every year if they've got a bigger team to sort of spread out some of those things which we definitely couldn't we realized very quickly we couldn't do it every year and we're kind of grateful that there was not grateful at all about the pandemic, but like the fact that it, it meant that we did it every second year, that kind of like, yes, this is an achievable amount of energy that we have. We need a year off to get it all back. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sidetracked there. Yeah. No, no, no. That's that's great. It's really interesting um to hear about that, how how you can how you see the the other festivals and how you feel that yours fits in with the general um comics festivals seen in australia um so it was very interesting um but yeah we've been talking about the the festival so far but let's not ignore the fact that you are both also very extremely talented comic creators um do you each want to tell us a little about your work um uh you go first you go. Uh, <laughs> um i can go first if you want no you go first. you go first okay Maybe we should talk about each other. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what I do. <laughs> That's not true. Um, this bit we're not cutting. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I make comics. What? You've been writing this the whole time. Um, I, I've, I've published quite a lot of mini comics, smaller single single issue comic books um uh and i've done three different web comics um and they've all been primarily comedy focused uh and with a bit of adventure on the side the, these are the things that i like this this i mean i've mentioned tintin many times during this uh, interview it comes back to that you know like that mix of comedy and adventure uh, as well as the the uncle scrooge comics of carl barks and um well that's it really Th- those are my like key go-to <laughs> formative influences um and that's the that's the kind of thing i like to do um i would love to develop a graphic novel i had um i have begun developing one which is kind of stalled at the moment but i have another one which uh you're more excited about yeah Yeah. i'm trying not to just leap from one project to to the next um but without finishing it yeah Yeah. it is my skill um but once uh once paper cuts is done i'm looking forward to refocusing my energies on a new graphic novel and like uh although i have been published in anthologies uh locally and internationally um and some by proper publishers like most of my stuff has been self-published i would really love to make the leap to having someone else publish and distribute my work um but you also publish and distribute other people's work oh, that's a later question oh okay <laughs> um, but uh yeah that, uh, that's a that's a terrible description of my comics <laughs> um great well i'll have a go at describing my comics i guess uh i i've also similarly to Owen, have published um lots of mini comics and and zines and i definitely came more from a a zine background than like the comic-con the traditional comic-con route um going to like festival photocopy and things like that and so i i lean more to the 
Uh, I think when I first started going to comic book stores, I would go straight to the indie section because or alternative section because that is what I was like. Oh, these look interesting. Ooh, maybe look um, at all this hatching. Yeah, <laughs> hatching, which I do not do at all anymore. But everyone goes through a hatching phase. This is my theory. I'm going to do a PhD on it. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I really have yeah done done lots of mini comics since I was sort of oh since I was in primary school. I've done comics, but started sort of making and giving like giving away free comics at comic book stores since I was a teenager um just because I got I got stories to tell and got to get them out um but mine are mostly I'd say still comedy but uh, even though I love adventure and fantasy like absolutely one of my favorite genres I for some reason just can't I find it really hard to write and I end up always often writing sort of autobio or uh fiction that is not quite real but not quite fantasy it's like um i don't know i can't even just know how to describe it it's just i don't know people go and have having bubble tea but also their dogs yeah. <laughs> um for example uh and yeah a whimsy I, I, sort of thing yeah whimsy oh let's go with that that's a great word thanks i'll take that um very <laughs> whimsical i love and like my work now is very colorful and bright and similar to tintin i love the like clean the clean line art style um but i haven't got the skill of drawing backgrounds so the, my backgrounds are simple <laughs> I'm more focused on emotions and characters that's definitely my like my skill set from that point of view and um but I am uh lucky enough I think I've mentioned that I'm working on a graphic novel um which is a book that I have been working on for too many years to count probably about seven I think it's seven yeah all right yeah. <laughs> um and because I yeah I started it in 2016 with help of some fellowships and grants and things like that um and it's a memoir about growing up with my brother who is autistic and also has an intellectual disability so he's non-speaking um and it, what, it, what it's like to be a sibling of someone with fairly high um needs day-to-day needs uh and that over the time has that's sort of still the core of the book but it has developed over time uh and more the most recent development when it was um acquired by penguin random house a few years ago um I had to basically at that point I'd kind of written the whole book over the course of the years with help from mentors and and things like that and it sort of changed a bit but I had this sort of it uh I didn't see it necessarily as a, a book for adults but that's how everyone else sort of saw it um and but they saw my style uh, as in well, I say them like editors but never someone would look at it as like your style is for children in how I draw but your writing is like a bit too adult so you need to like tone it down so I had to rewrite the whole book if I wanted to go through a big publisher yeah so making those sort of adjustments so oh this is a completely sidetracked point of view sorry no, that's um, right. and and when's that going to be coming out <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hope it, at the moment it's due to come out in 2025 March I believe mm-hmm. um it's recently just had that deadline pushed back because of a few edit edit stages and I think I was lucky enough to get picked up by Penguin Random House, like I mentioned, but Penguin Random House in Australia, US, Canada, and UK. So I have several editors. <laughs> um, mostly Australia and US have the have the, the most say from what I can tell, um, and I have most contact with Australia, but it means that it goes through multiple people. Each, each phase sort of goes through multiple people as well as when you get sensitivity reads, you get them for Australia as well as the US, and there's, there'll be two editions that are printed. So it's a much bigger scale thing than I think anyone expected myself but also my editors don't often have to work with um their counterparts in other countries so that's I think that's an interesting thing for everyone 
Yeah. I well, might have to do another one of these when that comes out and um, talk about the that book specifically. Yeah. Would love to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I will probably love to by then. It will give me, because uh, that's the other thing, like the book has to be finished 12 months beforehand for America. So US has a 12 month lead time for their publishing, which is why the deadline gets pushed back uh, from those things. Yeah. 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 So the other thing, as well as being um, comics creators, uh, Owen, you run Amplified Press, which started in 2003. Um, and if my math is correct, that means it's been running for 20 years this year. Um, so it'd be remiss not to um, congratulate you on reaching two decades. Um, and what is, and, and tell us about what Amplified Press does and why it's important to both Adelaide and the wider Australian comic scene. Oh, it's vital. <laughs> um, uh, well, yes. So the 2003 is when I first self-published my my first comic. Amplified Press uh, originally began under the name 24-Hour Cynic Press, mm -hmm. and it was uh, originally just a, a vehicle for my self-publishing. Um, and... I uh, published some other people along the way. I did some anthologies with a lot of different creators in them. Um, and some of the, we did a comic together that I oh, published. Yeah. Um, about that. And then probably about six years ago, I think, I, um, I, I rebranded it as Amplified Press and made a, a concerted effort to broaden the scope to to publish other people so so the 20 year thing mm -hmm. is is true but um when you look at the number of things i've published it over 20 years it's maybe not as uh as impressive as it might otherwise have been mm -hmm. um and basically the the idea behind that was that I saw a lot of other comics makers in Adelaide, friends of mine who were publishing mini comics, like making mini comics, printing them, getting them out there. Um, and I really liked them. And I thought maybe there's like, this could be like a scene or something, like get get a, a kind of group together where like, so if you buy a comic by Jake Holmes, you know, like. You, a local Adelaide artist. Yeah. <laughs> You you can you can follow that to buy a comic by Robin Tatlar Lord and another local like, Adelaide artist. And you like that one, you buy one by Owen Heitman. Yeah, I don't know who that guy is. Some guy. <laughs> uh, just like rather than you buy a comic and then it's kind of like a dead end. Like maybe you find some more by that person, but there's no. It, it doesn't give you an in to the broader Adelaide scene. Um, so yeah, I sort of envisioned it originally more as like a, a amplifying. Well. A a a what is it? Not a cult, a group. A, collective? A co yeah, I envision it more as a collective, but then because I'm a control freak, I was just like, no, nah, I'll do the same thing, but I'll be in charge of it. Um so uh What's your day job, Owen? Uh I'm a I'm an editor as a day job. A um, proofreader and document. A proofreader and a copy editor. And the other thing that bugged me was local comics with typos in them. So I'm like, let me fix this. <laughs> um so yeah, so basically uh I have published something by Robin Tatlar Lord. I still haven't published anything by Jake. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have published stuff by other Adelaide creators. Basically, uh 
it's 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 pretty loosey goosey. It's they're generally people I know. I haven't published anything by a complete stranger. Everyone's Adelaide based. It's a way, as Gina was sort of alluding earlier, to amplify local comics voices. Um, Most recently, you have published a graphic novel, which is available in the library system. Correct. Yeah. Just to bring it back around to libraries mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So which one's that? Um, so that's Koi, uh, by, uh, as in the fish, not the emotion, um, by Adam Gillespie. Um, so that's the that's the third comic by Adam that I've published. Um, but the first two were mini comics, and um, Koi is a, an 80-page graphic novel. So it's got a spine, it's got an ISBN, it's got a barcode. It makes me feel like I'm a real publisher now. Um and yeah, as Gina said, that's in the South Australian library system. Is it with distributors? So other libraries that uh, you know, if someone from another library is listening to this, watching it, can um, uh, uh, yeah. find it. Um, yes, it is listed with several uh, library distributors. Um, that's it. Uh, one of which their office is like right around the corner from our house. So when they took some orders, I could deliver them on foot. Um, uh, Cheap delivery for you, yeah. <laughs> but the, the, it was also printed at a printer that's just around the corner in the other direction. So I, I mean, I didn't go and pick them up on foot because they were very heavy. Um, but yeah, like uh, so. Aside from the kind of collective promotional uh, aspect of it, the the thing that I think I can offer is. Um, helping people who I think make great comics but maybe don't have the know-how to get them into print or to distribute them or to maybe there's some typos in there that I can help them out with. Um, and, and that's, you know, applying skills from my day job where I, uh, I, I, I've I worked on, like, staff newsletters. Like, so I, I, I learned InDesign and, and layout at my first, no, my second job, and that was where I was also, like, learn about getting quotes from printers and working out um you know formatting things for print making sure it comes out to the the best quality like the 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 that the print quality is high and um uh you know getting quotes it, it's just like yeah and again i've fallen into this kind of admin role um which again is not something that i like i like it but my passion is for making comics not doing admin but my passion is also for seeing good comics out in the world um and if that's a service i can i can offer for people um uh i think that's good yes yeah um um, but yeah i i'm it's not a huge uh, i mean it, it is as i think you said in the introduction a micro press it's it's very small small print runs um small numbers of releases per year uh but i'm very proud of what i've achieved it's um uh uh it's very fortunate i think like i think that the quality of comics is the main main priority for me but it's also uh very rewarding for me to know that i've been able to publish diverse voices like trans and non-binary people and um people of color yeah that's the other one yeah um uh as well as middle-aged white cis straight men like me um <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know that it is. I, I would never say that it's hugely important for Australian comics um, uh, because it seems like a pretty bold claim, but I am happy with what I've been able to achieve. I think I think from what you've described, the making sure that the that is there for for people in Adelaide and everything like that grassroots micro micro press stuff is really important. That's how a lot of people get started. So you know, it is. I'd say it's important. Um, yeah. Um, and I this isn't on the questions I sent through because I didn't know if you were going to be part of the thing, Gina. But if we're talking about um, Owen's other projects. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about uh, the Xena Warrior Print Fair, Print Fest? Uh, yes. Well, I'm I'm not actually involved this year, but I have um, Xena Warrior Print Fest. Okay. Um, yeah. So because of paper cuts this year, I've had to step back um, from it. But yeah, that's, as I said, I come from a zine background and I've been very fortunate to attend Festival of Photocopier in Melbourne for several years, and um, I'm sure and, and like Zine Swap here in Adelaide. I think was the other main one that I have been attending. And then so attended Zine Fairs for years and from there made uh, friends, uh, including Jake Holmes, who was previously mentioned, and and also Rebecca Sheedy, who are the co-organisers. And Rebecca and Jake are both organising it this year. And so that's happening on the 7th of October. And I get to just attend. So it's such a treat to just attend a, a thing and not have to do anything. Yeah. It's really lovely. Um, so, yeah, that's that, again, that's sort of more zine, so it's more broad when it comes to uh, things uh, as opposed to just comics, um, which is obviously Paper Cuts' focus. But, um, yeah, it's fine. It's a little bit smaller. We usually get about 30 stallholders, um, and it's run at MOD. Uh, the last few years have been run at MOD, which is a museum of discovery is it yeah yeah i think it i think so <laughs> i always like I'm, I, it's a museum of design and it's like i think it's discovery um anyway yeah. uh, and so that's really uh, a really interesting space as well so it's really great that they offer that up to to us again for free and they do all the tables and stuff which is um again as i said for all all events like having a venue having tables having chairs provided <laughs> incredibly uh useful like it just oh. helps it helps make events happen. Um, so if you if you've got a space and chairs and tables, and you're willing to let that let it happen, we can make we can make cool things happen. <laughs> mm. That's great. In a big empty warehouse, find some comics makers and let them run a festival. <laughs> um, so we usually uh, finish off with um, what are three comics or graphic novels that you've enjoyed recently and that you'd encourage others to check out. So feel free to. Um, Tell me, tell me about uh, three comics between you each. Um, so my first recommendation is Talgard, uh, volumes, or sorry, tomes one and two, uh, written by Gary Proudly and published by Gestalt Comics and illustrated by a veritable who's who of some of Australia's greatest comic talent. Um, and so Talgard is... a uh, a barbarian whose wit is as sharp as his sword. Um, and these stories are like, so each of the tomes consists of a collection of short stories. All the stories are four pages long, exactly. And the stories are gems and the book is a collection of gems, a bag of gems. Um, it's it's a great, a great read uh, because... 
you know, it just it tackles this this pulp uh, sort of setting, the world building and the characters and the archetypes and tropes. Uh, but then just each story, Gary takes this, you know, like where the sort of the pulp formulas and gives them a little special twist or a sting in the tail. And, um, you know, just for someone who, who grew up on a lot of the the pulp uh, heroes and approaches to to writing, um, it's it just it perfectly appealed to me. I was like, this is this is wonderful. Um, they're like very just you know perfect little nuggets, uh, very thought provoking, and the art is um, really really good. Like. Uh, uh, Justin Randall colored all the stories so there's that level of um consistency like so that they all feel like they're taking place in the same world um but then you've got people uh from like uh Queenie Chan who's got more of the, the manga background through to Brenton McKenna's um style and then uh like one of these stories is by um drawn by uh Jana Hoffman who's from Adelaide and also helping out with the paper cuts graphic design. Um, Craig Phillips from New Zealand, who's uh, a great creator, and uh, Campbell White from Perth, uh, like a lot, a lot of people from Perth here, actually. Um, it is a Perth but, publisher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. I think it's great. Didn't rehearse that. I yeah, did no, not. I we needed such a long spiel. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's fine. You do not need a lo- such long spiel if you, if, however much you want to say. I'm really happy that you said Togo because I like I have those <laughs> times sitting right next to me ready to catalogue for my library. Um, oh, so, yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. Um, um, yes, well, I probably won't be as thorough as Owen. <laughs> I'll just say, this is really good. You should read it. Um, that's fine. So I, I read this last month, which is Ember and the, I uh, make sure I get this right, and the Island of Lost Creatures. Um, and this is by a Adelaide-based artist, Jason Pannett, who has was at Paper Cuts last year and will be at Paper Cuts again this year um, for different events. Oh, sorry. Owen, Owen is currently reading it, which is why there's a bookmark in here. And the art is just really, let me find it. I don't know. It's just really lovely. It's just really sweet and lovely. There's some nice adventure. Um, it, and it reminds me very much of sort of the element, like the borrowers kind of world. It's like a small a small person is the main character, but then discovers all these other magical sort of creatures. And I believe Jason said it was inspired by which port that he used to visit? Port? Adelaide? No, Lincoln Port. A different, oh, man, I should have, I should have rehearsed this. Mm. But inspired by his childhood growing up uh, along the coast, like, like a holiday coast there. So a lot of the visuals of the nature are very like feel very Australian which is lovely to to see and read um and I think it's like his first book was let me make sure I get this right Treasure in the Lake um and that was really really good and I think this is even better so I like I yeah it's just it's nice and chunky the art is beautiful you can just follow the action you can tell that he was an animator because you can just follow the action beautifully in a comic which is a one of my long-term goals as a comic creator to be able to draw action and people know what's happening. Um, so, yeah, so it's just really lovely. It's mid- middle grade, so, you know, aimed at 8 to 12-year-olds, but for any age, say I, any age may read. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then the, the third book is one that we've both read uh, or both recommend. 
which is Seance Tea Party by Romina Yi. This one's about a kid who has a ghost friend and uh, parents think that it's like an imaginary friend, but it's actually a ghost. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Laura is the child's name. Alexa is the ghost's name. Um, Laura is like worried that all her childhood friends are growing up too fast. They're getting interested in like boys and bands and stuff. And she just wants to play with her stuffed animals and have imaginary adventures and, and do the, the like the flights of fancy thing. Um, and Alexa sort of helps her do that. But then, um, then the story evolves, you know, <laughs> like, uh, don't I, want to spoil it too. Yeah, I don't want to say any more than that because we're getting into uh, spoiler territory. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lovely, lovely book. Um, very interesting art, and um, the the sort of themes really like this is also a middle grade book, but uh, as a middle aged reader, um, the theme still resonated with me, and I was up. Uh, I nearly got a tear in my eye at uh, the relevant point, uh, which, again, I don't want to make any spoilers. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it affected me emotionally, um, but it's also it's very nice. And Romina here is based in Melbourne, I believe. Um, I think so, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So uh, in fact, all three of those creators that we've mentioned will be at the Paper Cups Market yeah. Day. Um yeah. That wasn't, I didn't even think about that. Oh, <laughs> um. oh that's great. Um, I really, it's, it's all of them were already either, um, I've already read or they're on my, um, already on my radar, on my um, TBR list. Yeah. So um, uh, always nice when that happens. It makes me feel that, you know, when comics creators uh, are saying, oh, these are the good ones. And I'm like, yes, I'm already planning to read those. I'm like, yes, I'm <laughs> I'm I, my I, my finger is on the pulse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so thank you very much for for um, chatting to us today. Um, what is the best way for people to keep updated on? Well, mainly updated on the Paper Cuts uh, Comics Festival, but also on your projects um, that you are doing separate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, well. Papercuts Comics Festival, uh, you can go to our website, which is papercutscomicsfestival.com. That's comics with an S. Yes, Papercuts Comics Festival. Yeah. And Papercuts with an S as well, yeah. not with a Z like the US publisher. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so there you can sign up to our mailing list, which we don't uh, bombard you with too many things, but you will hear about everything important. Uh, there's also links there to our Facebook and our Instagram accounts. Um, which are also, uh, well, Facebook is Paper Cuts Comics Festival ADL yeah. um, because Facebook is a nightmare to change anything after you've set it up. Yeah. Um, uh, and Instagram is Paper Cuts Comics Festival. Yeah. Um, uh, so follow us there. Um, and, yeah, I already said the mailing list. Yeah. So I think <laughs> those, those are all the, the best ways to keep up with Paper Cuts Comics Festival. And uh, uh, for if you would like to keep up with my projects, my all of my online presence is under George Rex Comics, and that's George as in Costanza, 
Rex is in Dinosaur and Comics is in the thing we're talking about today. Um, so the website is georgerxcomics.com and then my Instagram is georgerxcomics, you know, at georgerxcomics. Um, and my name is Georgina Chatterton. So you can just Google any of those and I'm sure it will pop up as well. Don't have a Facebook page because, again, re-Facebook is a nightmare. So. How about you do have a mailing list, people? Oh, yeah. Sign up to my mailing list. If you go to my website, there's a mailing list there. Get one little monthly little nugget of news. I don't know. <laughs> not a good way to sell it, is it? Um, it's a good way to beat the uh, algorithm because Instagram will show you nothing. So if you sign up to the mailing list, you'll see it all. Um, yeah, and for Amplified Press, again, AmplifiedPress.com is the website. Um, at Amplified Press on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and even Twitter until Elon Musk drives it into the ground, I guess. Um, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not called Twitter anymore, is it? Mm. How often I want Twitter, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also I have a mailing list uh, for Amplified Press, which is Irregular. So irregular, I, I'm not even sure that I've ever sent out a mailing list. Um, but sign up anyway. Maybe that will encourage me to use it. Cool. Well, thank you again for, for joining us. And uh, for everyone listening um, who wants to follow the Alia graphic stuff, um, you can get us at aliagraphic.blogspot.com um, or aliagraphic on um Facebook and again for now Twitter um, or X or whatever. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, and yeah, thank you for thank you for listening and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>